Welcome to the Radiant Life Church Podcast. You're about to hear a message that we pray will inspire your heart and challenge your faith. For more information on RLC, please visit myrlc.family or check us out on social media. Have a blessed day. Now here's your message. Welcome and thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, We don't always have three pastors on stage communicating the message, but uh, every year we like to take just a few weeks and break down the mission of Radiant Life Church. And we call that series Welcome Home. Uh, We say it all the time. You may show up as a guest, but our heart is that you're leaving as family, that this could be a place that you would call home. And so Pastor Angel, the co-lead pastor, is joining me this morning, and Pastor Anthony, the campus pastor from Akron. And uh, we're excited to be jumping in. As we kicked this series off last week, uh, Pastor Anthony shared that our heart uh, was to create a, a culture, and a culture of nine questions um, in regards to the three specific pieces of the mission of real relationship, life change, and community. And so last week, we unpacked three questions uh, in, in around the concept, around the idea, the heart of a real relationship with Jesus. And this morning, we're going to continue on. And uh, so if you love taking notes, you're going to want to grab a pen and paper and get ready to go as we begin talking through three questions when it comes to life, life change. Here at Rain Life Church, this is what we believe. We're a church of real people pursuing life change through Christ to serve our communities, right? It's RLC, Radiant Life Church, real relationships, life change, and community. All the time we quote, we, I, I probably quote this quote from John Maxwell more than any other quote, and it's this, change is inevitable, growth is optional, right? Everything around us is going to constantly change. Uh, you think through, uh, I was crazy, you know, you think through uh, what happens in the home when the ro- remote control goes missing? Right, the chaos, the, the 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 craziness that ensues. Like we got, how do how are we gonna do this? Hey, the internet goes out, the world is over. Right, I just showed Pastor Anthony backstage how many uh, social media notifications I have on my phone, and uh, that's a struggle for me because I hate not- I hate having numbers like notifications. Like I need to clear those, so I'm fasting. That's what I'm. I have 80 notifications. And I'm like, oh, right, but but it's like, oh, what are we gonna do now without? And I'm like, well, kids, back in my day, you actually had to get up and change the channel on the TV. Um, but, it, but it's one of those things where change is, is, it's always happening. Were you alive before remote controls? Is that what you're saying? Yes. How old are you? Last week, it was a toothbrush. <laughs> this week, it's no remote control. Bro, I grew up watching black and white TV. That's because you didn't come from money, though. Well, that's true, Remote too. Remote I was going to say, like, I'm not coat hanger, that. It was the socioeconomical status of I'm your sure family. I'm sure that had something to do with okay. it, but we had this little TV. It was black and white. How many remember UHF, AHF, and you'd have to turn it, and then you'd use a coat hanger with aluminum foil, and you'd turn it right. I'm I'd like, stand outside on. like this to get it to come on. Like, that's how it worked. That's, that's what happened. Um, that's all I can say. Right, Pastor Anthony and I are feeling a little bit silly, and here's why. Because both of us had multiple people tell us that we had resting stank, fla- face, resting stank face up here yeah. during the last service when we weren't talking. So yeah. now we feel like we have to have perma smile. To which I want to say is like, I don't know if you've seen your faces. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's not like every time I preach, everybody's like, this is so good. It's usually like. But sure, let's pick on us for having resting stank face. You guys get a pass. No big deal. So what we've learned is that change always happens, but growth is optional. So we're all going to grow change your face, this morning. Right? Change your face, and growth will take place. 
And so we're going to jump in. I love it. I, we're going to jump in and we're going to begin to unpack three questions when it comes to life change. What are we, where are we going first? The first question is, who am I becoming? And, and really, when we say, who am I becoming, it really helps us answer this question. Who am I and who do I want to be? Who am I and who am I working towards becoming? And so naturally what we do in those situations is we surround ourselves, if we're healthy, we surround ourselves with people who maybe are doing it better than us, maybe people who have a little bit more education in that area than us, a little bit more experience than us, maybe somebody who's done it before, somebody who's doing it now. We often will uh, surround ourselves with people who are praying more or who we can trust to help us get there. But more importantly than any of those things, and those things are important, and those are wise steps that we could be taking, but more importantly is we know that life change first starts to happen through a relationship with Jesus Christ, through a relationship, not a transaction, but through a relationship with Jesus Christ. We know that he does the work and we follow in his footsteps. He's already laid the groundwork. He's done. He's carried the cross. He's risen from the grave. He's done all of the hard work. And so it's up to us then to sit in his presence and to improve, not because he's improving us, but we engage. We engage through We improve through engagement. Let me get that out right. And so in a relationship with Jesus, we know that our responsibility in and of itself isn't improvement. That's not the goal. Our goal as we know Christ, as we talk about life change, is not to improve ourselves, but it's to engage with Jesus Christ. And in that engagement, we naturally see a byproduct of his spirit, of his ways, of the way that he walks, the way he talks, the way that he leads, start to naturally happen in our lives. And isn't that so counterculture? to what we hear each and every day? Yeah, I feel like for most of us, when we think about uh, improvement and a relationship with Jesus, we lead with improvement, right? And the reality is, if you focus on improvement, you may find Jesus, but if you focus on Jesus, you will absolutely get improvement, right? Yeah, service is over. I don't know if you guys caught that. That's it, right? If you focus on Jesus, the natural byproduct is improvement. If you focus on improvement, you may see Jesus, but, but I think sometimes in our life, in our culture, we, it is counterculture because, like, hey, I want to lose weight. Okay, give me five steps, right? And so we'll, go, we'll read 10 articles and read five books, and all of them are, give me three steps, give me four steps, give me five, five steps on how I can get healthy because we're focused on the improvement, yeah. right? Where, where engagement is, no, I want to be a part of the process. So I, wanna, I just want to be with Jesus, and then that natural byproduct is, what is he doing in my this is I didn't think I could feel that way. I didn't know my heart would would gravitate or be torn toward or or pulled towards yeah. because that's not natural for us. Right. But it's that engagement and not just improvement. Yeah, so our responsibility when we were you going to say something? You go for it, bro. No, I was just going to say we talked last week about this importance of like being still and being silent and letting God work on you and I think the difference between self-improvement and God improving you is when you are still and you are slow. God's going to start to show you, hey, what's that next thing? Or what's that thing I'm working on in you now? But if we're constantly scheming on behalf of God, we're honestly going to bypass him and say, okay, I'm just going to assume that I know what God wants me to fix versus, hey, God might want to affirm you in this season. Like that might be the improvement you need, but we don't know if we don't slow down and listen to what he's saying instead of just imposing our will over his words. That's so good. See, that's why I pause. I like I'm, you, I'm sitting amongst some really, really wise people up here. But I think when we look at relationship with Jesus, when we look at wanting life change, which we value here at Radiant Life Church, and we need to recognize that our responsibility is not to perform for the Lord, but our, responsi- our responsibility is to position ourselves with him. That's good. 
So when we position ourselves with the Lord, we're sure to see the fruits of our lives that we want. When we perform for the Lord, we might get the job done, but oftentimes that's why we end up feeling empty, confused. I'm doing all the right things. Why don't I feel it on the inside? When God really wants to start with our inside and let the overflow of what he's doing in our heart and in our lives and in our minds start to naturally take shape within the actions and the way that we walk and live in in who Jesus Christ is. And I think Mary, when we look um, look at the New Testament, Testament, Mary had it right. And what I mean by Mary is Mary Magdalene. So I think it's in, what is it? Luke chapter, ha! Yeah, Luke chapter 10. Uh, She's sitting at Jesus's feet and everybody else is working. You got the other ladies doing the job, preparing the meal, cleaning up, doing what they're supposed to do. You have all the disciples kind of listening to Jesus talk. We don't know. Maybe they were taking notes, but whatever was happening, they for sure knew that Jesus was in the house and they were taking it seriously. They were all doing a job, the job they felt like they should be doing. And so they're kind of annoyed because Mary is sitting there just at Jesus's feet and she's weeping over his feet and she's just pouring her heart out. And they basically are like, tell this woman to get up and do something. This is Angel Perebski translation. Tell this woman to get up and do something. And so this is Jesus's response. And I love this. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. I think Mary knew something that maybe we struggle to learn in that the appearance of our lives is worth far less than the content of our lives. Mm, Mary didn't care what she looked like. She didn't care what the religious leaders or the other people in the room thought of her. She wasn't thinking about whether or not she was supposed to be up doing a job and doing it right and performing for the Lord. Mary was focused on being in his presence, and she didn't care. She wanted the content of her life, the content of her heart, what she was walking through to be real and genuine and authentic. And she recognized something that if we could grab a hold of it might change our lives. And it's that when we sit in the presence of Jesus, when we engage with him, and relationship. And when we authentically pour our hearts out before him, there is life change and there is power in what happens. And so if we would stop trying to clean up what everybody else can see and focus on those things that nobody else can see, how much more alive would we become in Christ? Yeah, I wonder if, you know, when you think about that, uh, if we would allow God to continue to clean up only what he can see and not just what others see, I wonder, I wonder if that's a struggle for us because we look at it and we go, oh, the, here's, here's something that I need to make sure looks good because I don't want to be judged for it or receive any condemnation or anything like that. But the things that God really wants to bring on me, no one's going to see anyway, and so it's okay. Yeah. Or we're hiding from it because we're like, well, God doesn't, I don't want God to see that. He already sees. Right. He already knows. And so he's looking for surrender, right? But we're looking for, again, the performance or the achievement of, look at me, I have my act all together. It was, a, it was a post, Pastor Matt shared it with the staff yesterday in regards to, now don't take this personally, it was just funny, all right? It's not like, okay, but it was this, it was this. If you're, fast, if you're fasting, because we're in a 21 days of prayer and fasting, if you're fasting and still gossiping, then go ahead and eat. Right, as in, it's, it's not show, it's not performance, it's about spending time in his presence, Right? And not, not continuing on, but experiencing that life change. I think when you were talking about kind of that hiding and that cover-up, I think so often we think we need to do that with Christ because that's what we do in our culture, right? We naturally live in a judgmental society that says, well, you're saying this, but you do that, or I know what's really going on. And yet Jesus is saying, because I know you struggle like that, that's why I want to engage with you. That's the whole point. I expect that you're going to get it wrong. Jesus is sitting in this room amongst us today going, I know you're going to fail. I know you're going to get it wrong. I know you're going to open your mouth when you shouldn't. I know you're going to miss the opportunities I told you to take. 
but that's why I'm here with you, and that's why I'm here for you. We don't have to take the cultural norms of society and that judgment and that pressure and put them on Jesus. Jesus came to take that pressure off of us. And I think sometimes what happens is we get so used to the chaos or the things that are just not good on the inside that we almost become comfortable with it, right? That to address it almost seems to jar us too much for it to be worth it. So like, for example, I went a few years ago with some people from church and uh, we had been asked to go and help at this house where the pastor from Delaware or Rhode Island, something like that, his uh, former foster parent had passed away and they're like, hey, we're just trying to get the house cleaned up and want to get in there so we can sell the house. And I knew it was bad when I showed up and they started handing out hazmat suits, and you go in the house, and the house on the outside looks great, looks fine, right? Yard's kept, everything's clean. On the inside, there's, I mean, feet worth of garbage spread throughout the house everywhere where you can't see the floor anywhere. And the reality is that doesn't happen because somebody's lazy. It doesn't happen because somebody's just like, I don't feel like cleaning. It happens because there's something wrong inside of them, and they get used to that. They find comfort in that. And I think what happens a lot of times is if we're asking God, like, okay, who am I becoming? And the Holy Spirit's trying to shape us. He's going to make us uncomfortable with things that right now we're very comfortable with. And so we have to learn how to let him address that stuff that even we might think is okay and accept his word when he says, hey, let's, let's change this. Let's work on that. Yeah, and ultimately, we get to decide how much God gets to have a place in our lives. And we get it. I, he's God. He's all-powerful. But we also recognize that he's not going to push himself upon us. And so we have the opportunity to choose whether or not we want to experience life change, whether or not we're going to let him come into our lives and, and to have a piece of that or have all of that. And, and so often he does that by asking us questions. I love in Scripture, and it's found in Mark, where blind Bartimaeus is, is he's, he's sitting there, he's blind, he's pushing through the crowd, and he starts yelling things like, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And people start being like, be quiet, hush up, whatever. And so here's Jesus' response, and this is in Mark chapter 10, picking up at verse 51. He says, what do you want me to do for you? And I wonder as we sit here today, is Jesus asking us that question, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man says, Rabbi, I want to see. How simple would it be to say, Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to live as you live. I want to respond the way you respond. He says, Jesus responded back to that, and he said, go, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So Jesus' question to Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? That's, that's not the point, it's not the point and it's not the cause of his healing. The point of the question was so that Bartimaeus could articulate his faith. It was the, it was the means, not the cause. Jesus caused the healing. Jesus could have caused the healing from wherever he was, however he wanted it to happen. But Jesus gave Bartimaeus the opportunity to declare what was needed, to speak his faith out loud. And I love that in that, that he's calling him from a distance, Jesus Son of David, it wasn't I know about you. I know that that's that Jesus guy. He's calling him by name. He's calling him intentionally. I know that there's power in what you can do for me because of who you are, because of your lineage. And when he even goes on to say, what do you want me to do for you? He says, rabbi, teacher. He's saying, I want, I'm coming to you because I know who you are and I know what you have to offer me. And I wonder, would Jesus want us to start on that same personal level? Is he asking us to, what do, you, what do you want me to do for you? Who do you want to become? How can I help you develop into the person that I have created you to be? 
because he wants us to have that personal encounter. He wants it to be more than just, I can heal you. That's great. But do you know me? Do you know who I am? And Jesus did this over and over again. He did this with the invalid who was invalid for uh, 38 years. He says, what do you want me to do for you? Well, of course, I want to walk, right? It seems so obvious, but Jesus didn't just care about the physical healing. He was concerned about the soul healing. He was concerned about the inside. Again, not just the outside, what people can see. He was concerned about our hearts, our souls, our minds, and every place of our being. And we've got to want Jesus more than we want the world if we're going to see the fruit of that in our lives. And can I challenge you in this too? We've got to know Jesus more than we know the world if we want him to have that kind of power and authority in our lives. But do we want it more? What question is he asking you today? What do you want me to do for you? And do we look Jesus or do we look like Jesus more today than we did yesterday? Say if we don't, what question is he asking us? That's right, which takes us to our second question under this big idea of life change. And the question is, what am I learning? Uh, and that question might not be like the coolest question we ask over these three weeks. For some people, your background when it comes to education is like you were in school, you didn't like it, you couldn't wait to get done learning, right? Like you're just over it. For other people though, uh, maybe you were really good at school and really competitive. For you, when you think of learning, you're thinking of achievement, right? You're thinking of getting like one more tassel over the robe, one more scholarship, right? Something above that 4.0, which I never know how that works. How do you get above a perfect score? But apparently it happens somehow. I wasn't close, so I didn't have to worry about it. I was just trying to get to like a three point something. Didn't happen either. But what... <laughs> My father-in-law was a college professor, and he told me when I was a freshman in college, he said, hey, I want you to have a well-rounded education. I took that to heart, okay? <laughs> it was very well-rounded under a three. So what am I learning, though? This is the question we have to ask, because if we're going to be formed in the image of Christ, it's going to involve learning. Uh, Jesus was considered a rabbi. They'd call him teacher. They didn't do that just to be smart. Like they did that because he was constantly teaching his disciples something. They walked with him day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, minute by minute, because they were learning from him how they're supposed to do life. And so for us, if you're tempted to think about uh, learning as performance, what you need to remember is just like Pastor Angel's already said, we don't want to perform, we want to be formed. We don't want to do anything. Like, I don't want you to ever be in a moment of prayer where you feel like you have to fake it or pretend that you know what's going on because you feel like you're performing for the Lord or performing for other people. No, the truth is, as messy as it is, you want to be formed by Jesus, which is why I love this 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in. 21 days of prayer and fasting is messy. There are days where I went, like this week I went, are you kidding me? It's only day five. Because I felt like I had been sacrificing for weeks at this point, right? But the truth is, fasting, what it does is more than just teaching you about denying yourself and creating more room for Jesus, you're changing your very rhythms. You're changing habits in your life. You're changing patterns. And so if we're going to learn about Jesus, we have to create space for him. And so I always love asking people this when I talk to other pastors, other leaders. For you guys, how do you create space for Jesus in your day? Yeah, for me, it's intentionality first. So nothing um, gets checked, no email notifications, no social media notifications until I've spent time with the Lord. And so that's just the first and foremost. This year I've upped it, accountability purposes, so you guys can ask me and I'll be honest with you back. I'm really trying to tithe my day to the Lord. So that's not a perfect math, but about two hours a day that is in spiritual formation 
that is in self-care, that is in making sure that I am emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically where I'm supposed to be to give my best to the Lord. That's a huge feat for me, but that's what I'm going for this year because I truly want to live and be, but I will say that even just a few weeks in, and we started this about a week before the new year, it's hard work. And it takes a lot of intentionality to be like, no, I can't do that and recognize that I'm for sure letting people down. But I think in the long run, I'm going to let more people down if I'm not being intentional to spend that time with the Lord. Yeah, I think when you said space, um, my mind always thinks in songs. I don't know why. Um, but I was thinking through the song, you know, I will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Can do you we, sing a little bit of that for us? I would, but you know, our worship team, the vocalists were phenomenal this morning. I don't want to show them up. I don't want to, you know, so we'll just let it be. Um, but do we make room for Jesus? Now, room is, is space, right? Do we, time. Are we giving time? Are we, are we putting attention towards the person of Jesus? And I know you're here this morning and you're like, yeah, I, I have my heart's desire, right? Should just be to spend time with Jesus. And yes, that's what our heart's desire should be. However, if you're a little bit like me, um, you need to have a plan, right? If I don't plan to succeed, I'm probably going to plan to fail. And so for me, I have a plan for everything. I write everything down. And it's, hear me on this, it's not about a checklist, all right? Because this is the way it, sometimes it comes off. Oh, you just got you just got to check it off so you feel better about yourself. Yes, I love checklists. I say, I that does a, feel good though, right? I we all a, like checking something off our list. I had a checklist <laughs> yesterday for my entire day of all the things that I want to get done, and it's on an app, and I was like, bam, 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 done, done, done. So yeah, you feel better. However, the heart of, of growing in your faith and making room for Jesus, if I, if I miss it, it's because I probably went, well, my intentions were to read. Right? My intentions were, but our intentions, you know, how many know we're not judged by our intentions? Right? We're not going to stand before Jesus. Well, Jesus, I intended to spend time with you. I wanted to. That's good enough, right? It's like, walking, it's like saying, hey, I, I, we're going to have this amazing dinner, and I'm going to cook it because I intend to, and then I never do. How many know I'm going to starve and die? My intentions aren't going to get there. I have to put it to action. And so here's something that I've done uh, because I need to have that plan. And uh, so I remembered because it was on the printer for the first service, so I remembered to grab it. So I print this out every week. These are my intentions every week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Read a chapter of a book for the book of the month. Spiritual growth plan. We have a book of the month. I want to read a chapter. Read the Bob Goff devotional every day. It's, it's one, I mean, it's just one page. Every now and then it's a page and a quarter, but it doesn't take too long. Uh, read and do leadership study workbook. Read one chapter of the Bible a day. Exercise. How'd that get on there? That's stupid. <laughs> rest. I like that one, rest. Uh, and then something else, first 15, right, where you spend five minutes in word, five minutes in prayer, and five minutes in worship. That's how you start your day. And then I have John 5, 8. And Jesus said, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Right? That's my, every day I have to get up, pick up my mat, and walk. Now, that may seem like, oh, that's a lot of time. That could take, it could, right? It could take an hour, 45 minutes to an hour. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't worry about how long it's going to take because it's not about performance. It's about transformation, right? If I, if I swipe left on my phone and I see, oh, it looks like I've created a lot of room for anything and everything but Jesus, Right? Do, we, do we look at that? And so I think our intentions, when our intentions become actions, that actions will lead us to transformation, and then we dial in because we start with space. I'm not saying you have to do this. Why don't you write one thing down? Yeah. Start with one. Maybe add two. But do whatever it is that you feel like the Lord is asking of you. You don't have to be who it's. Remember, Pastor Angel started with the question, what? Who are you becoming? You're not becoming me. You're becoming who God wants you to be. Yeah. So create that space, that room. Yeah, and when we talk about creating space, the reason it's so important is because we're all constantly learning. I don't know if you realize it or not. 
everything you do throughout the day, you are learning something. You're learning a new facet of something. You're being influenced by something. Everything is trying to get your attention, and everything is trying to get your attention so it can teach you something, show you something, sell you something. And so the reason we have to carve out time for Jesus is because if we just go with the flow, we are not going to become more like him. We're going to become more like our culture. And so the reflective question we have to ask, if you're wondering, like, hey, where am I at in my learning journey with Christ, is this, am I being shaped or are we being shaped more by culture or by Christ? Which one is really influencing my decisions, right? So we talk about things like Special Missions Project, and there are people, I'm sure, who are like, man, I intended last year to give to the Special Missions Project. Well, the truth is, what's happened then is culture has influenced your purchasing power more than Christ has. Because we're learning something from culture that Christ wants to teach us, right? So are we being shaped by culture or are we being shaped by Christ? I really think if we're going to be effective for Jesus, we've got to learn him. We've got to learn his ways. Uh, Hosea 4.6, it says this in the ESV. It'll be up on the screen. That says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. But I love the way the New Living Translation puts this. It says, my people are being destroyed because they don't know me. Like we're losing ground, we're losing influence, we're losing a relationship with Jesus and what it could be just because we don't know him. We're expecting to have the benefit of an excellent relationship with Jesus Christ, but some of us give more time to Candy Crush than we do to him. And so it's hard to want to have the benefits of a relationship with Jesus when we give it less effort than just about everything else. So why Jesus says when he's asked what the greatest commandment is, he says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. So if you're going to love Jesus in a way that's complete, it involves all four of those. And so if we're loving Jesus, if we're not loving Jesus by learning, we're loving him in a way that's incomplete. If we're not adding learning, then we've got three of the four legs to the chair, and it's always going to feel wobbly. We can serve like crazy and love him with our strength. We can love him like crazy and serve him with our heart. If we're not serving him with our mind, we're loving him in a way that's incomplete. And we want to be people, like you guys have said, who give Jesus all of who we are so he can shape us. So who are we becoming? What am I learning? And then the last question that we're going to tackle today is how am I applying? Right, now, that I, now that something's come forth and, I, and I, I've learned something, and now what am I going to do with it? You're not learning it if you're not living it. Jeremy, you're not learning it if you're not living it. If you can't live what you've learned, then you're just processing information. But the gospel was not written to be a bunch of stories that would be shared as information. It's the sustenance of our life that would lead to spiritual transformation. Right? So there's a big difference between, oh, this is really good. This is a great book. I love, I love reading the Bible. The information it is is profound. Well, are we stopping long enough to go, what am I going to do with this information, this, this wisdom, and how am I going to apply it to my life? Every time, I even had a conversation after the first service of someone who wrote it down when I was teaching a class just a number of years ago. He said, I wrote it down, and he's like, I've tried to use it every day, and I went, oh, that's my heart right there, right? You learned, you, you heard something, you wrote it down, and then you began a finding. It's this, hey, every time you grab the Bible, every time you listen to a sermon, every time you attend a Bible study, every time you walk through a question in one of our, our grow groups, anytime you're a part of a life group, anytime you grab a book and you begin reading, what if you ask these two simple questions? What did I just read? Or what did I just watch? What did I just listen to? And most importantly, what am I going to do about it? Right? What am I going to do about it? How am I processing what I've just experienced? Here's what I know. Application of the word will create an action from the heart. 
An application of the word will create an action from the heart. As in it's getting in you and now it's flowing out of you because it's creating something within you that, that stirs you, that motivates you, that compels you to action. Right? Like, we'll just say it because it's coming up. We already talked about it, right? The special missions project. Oh, I want to. Right? So application of his word when we hear about generosity and giving and putting the interest of others before ourselves and sacrifice. We go, you know what? I can give five bucks a month. I could give $10 a month to the special missions project. We can build churches in Africa together. We can, we can do something powerful in Guatemala if we will come together, if we will begin to say, what is my part to play? So how am I applying it? Because we're not here to sit. We're here to serve. Right? We're here to engage in the process of following after Jesus. Right? It's not like, well, I know him. Life's over. Right? We're just going to ride the coat. Right? Here, it's a song, so it has to be true. Jesus, take the wheel. You take the wheel, Jesus. Here's the deal. you got to get in the car with him. He will take the wheel. He wants to be the pilot. He doesn't want to be the co-pilot. But you have to do your part of getting in the car and say, Jesus, I'm with you wherever you want to go. If you're going to go there, I'm going with you. If you want to pause here, you want to stop at this, wherever you want to go, I'm going with you because I want to apply to my life. Your word I want to walk in obedience to you. James chapter 1, verse 22 says what? Don't just listen to the word, but be obedient to God's word. Be a doer of the word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are fooling yourselves. Philippians 4, 9 says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received. From what? From me. This isn't about us. This isn't like, oh, well, Pastor Angel said that, and that was really good, or Pastor, Lan- or Pastor Anthony. That was an amazing quote, so I'm going to, no, no, no. It's about what you've learned and received through Jesus. And now you're going to apply it because it says everything you've heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. That's right. And you think about like the God of peace will be with you. That's a result of putting into practice what you've learned, putting into practice what you've seen and what you've heard. And the reality is if we want to experience peace, we've got to do the work. And this is why, unfortunately, some of the most learned people that we know, some of the most educated people that we know, people who know more about the Bible than anybody else, they don't always tend to be the most loving, right? They don't tend to have the most peace. And that's because peace doesn't come through knowledge. It comes through doing, right? That's solid. You ever wonder, like when you read the scripture, you ever thought, what if, what if their responses were different? Like what if Abraham would have been like, ah, I'm not interested. I mean, it sounds good, but I don't really want to go. I don't know what's on the other side of my yes. And that's a little scary, so I'll pause. What if, what if Gideon would have been like, God, I, I know you're going to be with me, um, but I need more men. You keep dwindling the numbers. I'm asking for an increase. So could you find somebody else to fight the battle? What if the disciples, when Jesus was like, hey, come follow me. Like, Peter, I see you. Come follow me. I'll make you a fisherman. What if he would have paused and went, how much does that gig pay? Like, Jesus, what's the, what's the bottom line here? Like, I need to know. Like, is this, are we talking six figures here? Like, if it does, then I'm in. But if it's less than what I'm making as a fisherman, I think I'm going to have to hit pause. What if Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane would have sounded more like this? Nevertheless, I want my will to be done. What would have happened then? Yeah, I even think about those stories and those illustrations. And as you, as you read the Bible and you learn the outcomes and what each of these people that you, that you mentioned walk through, I don't think there's anybody in this room that if we were standing there present day would have been like, no, I get it. I get why you're not going to. Like, that's a lot. That's almost unbearable. It doesn't make sense. And yet we know that's not what happened. Even though they had great excuses, and isn't that some of our issue in our life change as well? We have a lot of excuses And yet Jesus is saying, but if you just surrender that excuse, let me see what we can do on the other side. Yes, so for those watching online, those those in person this morning, if you want to experience the life-giving, hear me, life-giving, 
life-changing power of Christ, then walk in obedience to his word. And, and I use the word walk intentional because sometimes we're like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to sprint and I'm going to go after it. And that was great. I'm going to spend 20 hours a day in the presence of the Lord. That's great. I love your passion and your enthusiasm. But what if you walked and then you began to run? Here's what I know about exercise, uh, because I do it so uh, often. Um, And when I often, it's rarely, uh, is you can't, I'm just not going to go out and run a marathon tomorrow. It's not going to happen. I could probably start walking tomorrow and then start maybe running a quarter of a mile to a half a mile. But I have to start somewhere. And so so where do you want to start? And I would just encourage you to to walk in obedience to his word. Because here's what we know. Abraham did walk in obedience. And he did go. And he was made into a great nation. What we know is Gideon did step out in faith. And he was was brought victory with just a few mighty men. The disciples, what did they do? They said yes. And God used them to truly transform, right, the the culture as we see it. The gospel spread throughout, throughout the nations because of the disciples' willingness to say yes. And Jesus he was obedient, even to death on the cross. And so this morning, as, as we begin to close service, man, we just want to give you a few questions that you can ask yourself when it comes to application, right? How do I apply his word? That's right. So the first question is, if we're thinking about applying his word, it's really the obedience question. And that question is, what should I do? In other words, what, what does God require of me? So when I'm reading the word, is there a way that he's asking me to change the way that I think? Do I need to maybe go have a conversation and ask for forgiveness? Do I need to, re- to accept forgiveness that somebody's asked for? Do I need to write the letter? Do I need to go and, and just change my life? What is God requiring of me to do? And it always think, makes me think of Noah in the book of Genesis where when we're introduced to Noah, the first thing we read about him is that Noah found favor with the Lord. And if you wonder why, it's because a couple other times about Noah, here's what the Bible says. It says, so Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. And I know in my Bible I study with at home, right next to it, every single time I read that, my prayer is, God, let that be so with me, right? What should I do? What is God requiring of me? Yeah, and the next question is, again, who am I? Because when we follow Christ, it's not just about right and wrong. Our goal is not just to make good choices and bad choices, but to discover who am I becoming in Christ, who am I according to his word, according to what he says about me, according to what he says about himself, who then am I becoming? Yeah, and I think another question you can ask is, where should I go? Where should I go? Now, I, I, when I say that, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, so I, I need to take a new job and I need to go here. Uh, I need to make sure I'm checking uh, all the goals in my life. And goals are important and I think you need goals. But where should I go spiritually? What is the next right step that I need to choose? What's the next right choice? I know we want to dream, and I love dreaming. Like, hey, dude, where do you want to be five years from now? Even last week, Pastor Angel and I sat down, we had lunch, and I said, hey, if there was one thing, in the next five years, when you think about Radiant Life Church, where do you want to see the church be from five years? Is there a ministry? Is there a program? Is there a vision? Is there a desire? And we just said just one thing. And I loved it. And it was I, like it feels you, you get passionate. You're like, yep, we're going to do this. And we're going to go, and it's going to be great. And Jesus is going to help us. But I want you to think about the goals that you have, right? Where should I go? Not, hey, five years from now, I hope I have, you know, X amount of dollars in my checking account and X amount of dollars in my retirement account. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying, what's that one next right choice? Where should I go? Is there something in the church I should be serving or, or doing? Is there a neighbor that I need to show some extra compassion to? Where should I go? What are those goals? Where do you want to be tomorrow at this time? That's right. And then the last question about applying God's word is this, how can I see? 
How can I see? So in other words, we need to learn to see things from, God, from God's perspective. We can't just see it from ours. And so when I was in college, uh, my advisor, first meeting I ever had with him, he said, every single day, what you should be praying for as a person who wants to be a pastor is for wisdom and discernment, right? Because wisdom's going to help you in so many ways you're not even prepared for, but discernment's going to give you insight and understanding to see things God's way, to see things from his perspective. And for every single one of us, if we're going to walk in obedience to God's word, if we're going to become who Jesus has called us to become, we need the wisdom and discernment to say, okay, God, I need the wisdom to make the right choices, but I need the discernment to be grounded and see things the way that you see them. That's so good. That's so, so good in that. I love, I love the truth of God's word. I love that we can ask these questions and, and, and allow it to shape who we are, who we're becoming, um, asking what we're learning, and, and all of these things. But really, do you know what this all boils down to? Do the things you want to be known for. There's a lot of great things in the world. There's a lot of really good godly things that we could get involved in. It's a lot of sports that we could do, but we're not meant to do them all. Sometimes that godly path is somebody else's specific path. Sometimes that extra thing is just an extra thing. And I'm not saying again, I'm not saying they're bad, but what do you want to be known for? Who do you want to be known for? I had shared before the start of the service, for whatever reason, this particular message, always consistently, faithfully, and we have been doing emissions themed with the mission of our churches for as long as we have been pastoring here. This is always the one that makes me nervous. And it's not because I don't know it, because I feel like I don't even need to look at these notes to know where we're going and what I believe and where our church is headed. I feel like these are conversations we have constantly as a staff and with our leadership team. But the reason I get a little bit nervous about it, if I'm being transparent, everything rises and falls on this. Yes, we talked about relationship last week, but that relationship with Jesus should lead to life change, lead to life change. It's the whole point. He came to change our lives. We've got to grab a hold of the truth of who he is and his whole purpose for you and for me. It's to take the dead, dying self, the sin, the shame, the failure, the mistakes, to take all of that and put it in its proper place and to live where he's called us to be, a life full of hope, a life of peace, a life of purpose, a life that is set free from addiction, a life that is set free from living in the shame of our past. A life that doesn't have to hang on to what somebody did to us in the past, but we acknowledge it, we deal with it, we heal from it, and we use it as a launching point to further use it for God's ministry and for his glory. And so we can talk and we can ask questions, but friends, more than anything, who do you want to be known for? Will you let Jesus shape your life? Will you continue to hang on to the cultures and the ideals of the world that is all about success and achievement and the next degree and the next, and again, those things are not bad. I'm in a master's program right now. I'm for education. But if I don't have another degree, who cares? As long as I am living my life for Jesus Christ and I'm walking in the steps that he has ordained for me, which will be different than the steps he ordains for you. But we will never know those steps 
And we will never feel the peace that he's called us to when we try to hustle and make it happen for ourselves. We have got to be willing to sit at his feet, to sit in his presence and let him speak to who we are, where we are. And when we do that, oh, life change happens. It is an overflow. Our lives look like him. We sound like him. And when we don't, we instantly recognize it. And that conviction that happens is very different from the shame that we want to place on ourselves that the culture gives us. We recognize it so that we can change and then thank him for it. Thank you, God, because there was a day I wouldn't have recognized that I did that wrong. There was a time where it wouldn't have bothered me that I hurt somebody the way that I just did. Thank you, Jesus, for the new life in me. Another opportunity to say I'm sorry, to start again, to brush the dirt off my knees, and to get where I'm going in Jesus Christ. That's the point. It's why we're here. Because we have a whole world waiting for people to become who we're supposed to be in Christ. And that is not the best version of ourselves but the best version of him. And the only place that's found, the only place that life change is found is in his presence. When we rest in him, when we know him, and we set him up as the Lord of our lives. So for, for just a moment, I wanna do just a, uh, just a quick self-reflection. And what I mean by that is I know as we were sharing this, this sermon today and we're talking about you know life change, I can almost guarantee that we don't need to say a specific, but I believe that the presence of the Holy Spirit was dealing, not dealing, but speaking with your, to your heart, to your mind. That there was an area you went, oh, that's probably where, you know, I, I, gotta, I got some unresolved anger I gotta handle. And the, tone, the, tone, the tonal quality of my voice does not speak joy, <laughs> right? Or there's, a, there's an addiction, there's a struggle. And you're like, I need, I need Jesus to come and invade that cavity of my life to speak to that area, to set me free because I'm holding on. And instead of allowing, finding freedom in Jesus, I'm experiencing bondage. And that's not why Jesus came to give his life because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so for just a moment, I'm just gonna ask you to close your eyes. And I just wanna have a moment of prayer. But before I pray, what is it? What's that area? What's that area? Because I know I could just begin speaking areas and I think sometimes that's where we get stuck is like, oh, if, if, you, if you just sin less, then you'll experience life change. That's not, that's not the heart of life change. The heart of life, life change is Jesus, I wanna be shaped and formed by you. And so if there's anything in my life that doesn't look like you, you have permission not that he needs it, but it's that surrender of self that says, God, I, give, I grant you, I'm making the room and the space. Would you begin to form and fashion me? Because you, you, your word says in Psalm 139 that, I, that, I, that you formed me, that you knit me together in, my, in, in the mother's womb and that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And so because of that, I can praise you. But I think we've added to our own image he wants to bring about a life change so we can remain created in his image. So Jesus, this morning, God, give us the strength, give us the wisdom, give us the understanding, give us the surrender, because it's tough. It's not always easy to let go. 
It's not always easy to say, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you this and I'm gonna need you, I'm gonna need you to, to help because there's, there's a struggle, there's a battle, there's a, there's a desire shift that needs to take place in my mind and my heart. But God, I pray specifically today if someone is struggling with a, with a bondage, an addiction, whether it's, whether it's physical, whether it's a, an invisible prison of the mind, of self-doubt and worry, God, I pray today that you would move by your presence and by your spirit. God, that you would begin to chisel any imperfections, not from the outside, but from the inside. From the inside of our heart, if anything doesn't look like you, Lord, help it. Strip it away, that when all that's left would be who you are. God, help us to be more like you. Help us to experience your life-changing power, not so we could boast, not so we could brag, not so it would be about me and the attention would be on me, but so we could be your hands and feet, that we would love more the way that you love, that we would, we would give more the way that you gave. God, that we would have empathy and compassion the way that you had empathy and compassion that it would change all aspects of our life from how we see people, the way we view people and how we treat people. So God, do a work in us only that you can do. So God, that when we leave this place today, we would have a better understanding of who we're becoming, what we're learning and how we can apply it to our lives. Help us to experience all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen.